Blog Talk Radio. It's September 10th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember that good leadership is not about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving you, the members, in the interest of you, the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope that everyone had an enjoyable Labor Day weekend and that you all had a lot of fun and stayed safe. I'd like to take a second and say as we're enduring ongoing fires, an 8.0 earthquake off the shore of Mexico and have had Hurricanes Harvey and now Irma with Jose on the way, let us please have a moment of silence for those who are dealing with this devastation and to those who now mourn loss of life. Thank you. Uh, On to announcements. Uh, Remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for Everyone, something that uh, Congressman John Conyers from Detroit has been offering up since 2004, and we appreciate John Congressman for doing that. Uh, Announcement number two, Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Announcement number three, Working for a Living continues to stand shoulder-to-shoulder with the Michigan building trades, proudly shoulder-to-shoulder with them. As we work together, we are better for the workers of the United States. We stand shoulder-to-shoulder against the legislation introduced to to repeal Michigan's Prevailing Wage Act. They have renewed their request, that is the Uh, building trades of Michigan to decline to sign any petition you're presented with that has anything to do with prevailing wage. Thank you for doing that. Announcement number four. We have a lot of them too, folks. There's just a a lot. There's four pages here. Uh, Announcement number four. uh, Unifor, the Labor Union of Canada, much like the AFL-CIO, and then it has sub-unions underneath it, and sub-departments, um, uh, has asked that uh, right-to-work rules be abolished as a condition of NAFTA renegotiations. More on that later in the show. Uh, announcement number five, on August 31st, 2017, U.S. District Judge Amos Mazzano shot down overtime hopes of over 4 million salaried workers. Also, the Department of Justice officially abandoned the defense of the Obama-era rule that would have extended overtime eligibility to workers making less than $47,476 a year. They will now revert to the old rule of overtime pay for overtime anything less than 23000 $660 a year. That means if you make less than that, you can get overtime. They were going to raise it to the $47,000 uh, 
level, and that did not uh, uh, get implemented. Uh, announcement number six, there's still no offer for the sale of SCA on the table. Announcement number seven, on September 1st, the Ford Motor Company offered a plan pricing for anyone who lost a car of any kind in a Hurricane Harvey, plus an extra $1,000 rebate for first responders, with 0% interest for 72 months and no payments for the first 180 days. Team Working for a Living would like to compliment the Ford Motor Company for their generosity and long-term vision of product loyalty. General Motors and Fiat Chrysler America could learn a lesson from this visionary act of generosity. Thank you, Ford. That's very nice. Announcement number eight, automobile incentives are on the rise, signaling soft sales. Announcement number nine, General Motors workers at the GM Cami assembly plant in Ontario have authorized strike. We are told that during the last set of negotiations that the Cami facility set the pattern for the other Canadian facilities. Announcement number 10. On September 6th, the U.S. House of Representatives introduced House, House Rule 620. 620. And the ADA Education and Reform Act of 2017. The act would completely change the way in which a business would be required to comply with the American Disabilities Act. This is not seen as a good thing for labor. Announcement number 11. On September 6th, General Motors announced that sales in China have soared year over year by an overall 12%. Sales of SUVs led the gains with 56, or I'm sorry, 51% year over year increase. And the CT6 luxury sedan jumped 81% year over year. The Chinese sales are just right out in orbit. So congratulations on that. Good news for General Motors. It's too bad the American workers who gave up so much in the 82 concessionary agreement in order to purchase such things and expand into such areas will not be able to participate in those profits. Announcement number 12. In the United Kingdom, new car registrations have fallen for the fifth consecutive month. Remarkably, this seems to be tied to an up upcoming issuance of a 67 series license plate or tab. Perhaps there are some regulations that need to be addressed so as to stabilize new car sales and put an end to this secular problem. Uh, announcement number 13, Lordstown experienced a production cancellation on Friday, September 8th due to supplier constraint. Announcement number 14, we have 18 of these folks. Uh, on September 8th, in a very rare moment, the U.S. Congress House united to pass a bipartisan bill to encourage autonomous vehicle testing. The bill is called the Self-Drive Act. The acronym is Safely Ensuring Lives Future Deployment 
and Research in Vehicle Evolution. There's a mouthful. The Senate and POTUS still need to consider it before it can become law. Announcement number 15, on September 7th, the U.S. Senate introduced the Employee Rights Act. Please now remember, the Senate is controlled by the politicians with an R, the letter R after their name. If enacted, this legislation would mandate recertification votes following a significant employee turnover at a workplace. It was reported earlier in the year, on this show even, that a 50% turnover would uh, mandate a recertification vote. And a 50% since the last certification vote. So effectively, certification votes that were taken in the 30s and 40s of the 19, 1930s and 1940s would be required to immediately have a recertification vote in their facility. Okay, that's what this bill means. This Senate bill is sponsored in the Senate by Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican from Utah. The co-sponsors, and, and, and it's co-sponsored by Senators James Risch, Republican for, from Idaho, John Cornyn, Republican from Texas, Johnny Isaacson, Republican from Georgia, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from Texas, Senator Pat Roberts, Republican from Kansas, Senator Todd Young, Republican from Indiana, Senator James Langford, Republican from Oklahoma, Senator Tim Scott, Republican from South Carolina. Your state's being named. You've got work to do. Senator Tim, Dean Heller from Republican from Nevada, Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, Senator Richard Shelby, Republican from Alabama, Senator David Perdue, Republican from Georgia, Senator Ben Sasse, Republican from Nebraska. The House version, which was introduced in May, and we talked about that, reported on it here in this show, currently has 90 co-sponsors, all Republicans. Those are facts, people. That's not politics, that's facts. On to announcement number 16. Also on September the 8th, UNIFOR of Canada, for all the good it's doing, adopted an anti-Israel motion. We wish they would reconsider that. I'm not sure what their thought and logic is, but there are a lot of good, hard-working people with that ethnicity that work as auto workers. I can tell you from personal experience, when we schedule a conference once during a Jewish holiday, and it surprised everybody how many people requested special dispensation because of their holiday. This was a bad idea by Unifor. They've been doing some other good things, 
this one wasn't so good. Announcement number 17. On Friday, September 8th, a Teamster convoy full of relief supplies left California with a California Highway Patrol escort headed for Houston, Texas. Now that was a very impressive video to watch. I encourage you all to check it out. It's a chance. Announcement number 18. I guess we got 19 of these tonight. Announcement number 18. Please remember that on April 6, 2017, the Federal Reserve announced, announced that it intends to unwind the $4.6 trillion worth of security positions it purchased during quantitative easing from 2009 to 2015. They have announced that their selling program will commence this month, September 17th. You should also be aware that the word unwind is just a cutesy word for selling hell, the likes of which has never been seen before. Listen to what that that announcement was. Pay attention to what the Fed's about to do. It starts in September. We don't know what, but soon. Announcement number 19. I should also note that the terms of office of the seven board governors of the Federal Reserve is 14 years. Last Wednesday, Federal Reserve Governor Dr. Stanley Fisher, 73, resigned his unexpired position that would have expired on January 31st, 2020. Over three years left to go. To be sure, positions on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors are, are highly sought after and very prestigious positions and are rarely vacated by resignation. Is something about to happen? That's your call. Okay. Okay. On to email. Uh, email one. Great encore show, Labor Day weekend. I learned a lot. That came from Norway. Announcement two, various interesting show last Sunday. It is amazing that the rest of the world changed, adjusted, or implemented a different tax code that benefited them and did disadvantage the U.S., and none of us in our country knew it happened. That's from Pennsylvania. You talk about pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. This has been just amazing. I would add to that report from last Sunday, I don't think I mentioned it, that if you start in 1982 with what the the, uh, the national debt was, it happened to be $500 billion, and you take the trade deficit with the rest of the world, our total trade deficit, compound that by the monthly 10-year Treasury bill, compound it monthly, and that happens to equal our national debt currently large numbers that have equal uh, amounts are said to be related. I would submit that this trade deficit is related to our national debt. And unwinding and correcting what was reported as a tax imbalance from last week's Encore show, originally aired on April 24, 2017, if that were to be changed here in the United States or adjusted 
in a way that stopped the dumping to our country. As we talked about on that show, our country would ship with right, and we'd soon pay down that debt to zero, probably. And jobs would return. How about that? Of course, you heard that here first. We didn't learn that from anybody else but the hard research in the basement of Michigan State University most Saturdays for three years. Or email number three. Last week's show is something that everyone in the whole country should listen to. From That was from District of Columbia. So we might have some politicians down there listening. Maybe. That's hope. Announcement number four. Looking forward to more on Jeff's series explaining the UAW Constitution. That's from Tennessee. I'm sure Jeff, happy to hear uh, that email for, for him. Uh, he can acknowledge that when he comes on here in a couple minutes. But now, uh, email number five. Your whole team is impressive and you exude experience. Keep up the good work. That's from Ohio. Thank you very much. Announcement uh, number six. Well, it's football season again. I'll have to listen during the, during the week. From now on, that's from Michigan. Probably a Michigan fan. <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm from the Lansing, East Lansing, Michigan area, and uh, MSU is prominent here, even though I grew up in Youngstown, where Ohio State's prominent. Uh, last email, uh, n- uh, number seven, uh, the Stitcher syndication that we are syndicated with Stitcher on the radio show. This will now be forwarded directly to the source where it can be streamed seamlessly through the Stitcher app. And we'd like to thank Stitcher for sending us that email and that update on some of the things that they've been doing there at Stitcher. Stitcher is typically used on the uh, uh, phones uh, that have the Android system on it. Uh, We are syndicated uh, four ways. That's Blog Talk Radio. That's where we broadcast out of uh, by iTunes, so you can listen to it on an iPhone, Stitcher for an Android phone, and uh, Player FM that you can listen just about on all of those, I believe, with the possible exception of uh, uh, iTunes, so if you have an Apple phone. So I want to thank all the email writers. We appreciate it a lot that you would take the time to write in to us uh, keep us, uh, you know, posted on your thoughts about the show. We really encourage all of us uh, to hear that uh, uh, praise and compliments, kudos from you, and we really appreciate it. Thanks. If there's anything that you ever want to say to us, email us at workingforaliving at workingforaliving.com. Thank you very much for that. Up next is our uh, This Week in Worker News. But first, we'll have a, um, our weekly quote. The quote is, this is from Edward R. Murrow. Uh, the quote is, anyone who isn't confused really doesn't understand the situation. That seems to be appropriate for uh, our times uh, that we're going through now. That was by Edward R. Murrow, who lived from 1908 to 1965, started in radio and went on to TV as a news commentator for CBS Broadcasting. So uh, with that said, and kudos to him and and remembrance of him, 
he's again passed in 65, a long time ago now. So, but he he was very very uh, uh, interesting for a lot of folks. Uh, let's bring on our co-host, uh, David. You there? Yeah. How you doing, Leroy? Doing pretty good. How was your week and your and your Labor Day? Um, real good. Um, very enjoyable. Um. Looking for some better weather next week. It's been a little cold here. Uh, seeing that we're going to have some higher temperatures. It's going to put me to work getting some things done around here for the fall while it's still warm enough. Yeah, it's um, that time of season, getting everything ready for fall. Yeah, I'm kind of depressed by the changing of the leaves. Um, I don't really care for fall. I don't like to see the seasons change because I know that means at least seven months of cold and misery. <laughs> and up go the heating bills, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, are you there? Yeah. Hi, Leroy. Hi, Dave. Hey. Hi, Jeff. I think it's your part of the world. Oh, not bad. The leaves are changing, like Dave said. I'm not looking forward to the cold weather either. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. It's been a while since I've seen leaves turning by the by Labor Day. Uh, it, it's uh, it's yeah. an unusual uh, phenomenon this year. So at this at this you know latitude, so uh, we'll uh, you know we'll just see what what winter brings. It could be cold. We'll see. But like Dave said, it looks like it's going to get up into the mid 70s next week. So. Well, the coming week, and so we'll hopefully see some of that. Uh, having said that, uh, glad to have you fellas on the show tonight. I want to take a minute. Uh, the listeners don't see John behind the scenes all week long with team working for a living and this radio show that we put on for you virtually every week with few exceptions. And I want to say to both David Fillion and Jeff Brown and to the off-air team that's listening right now, I know you're there, thank you. I cannot imagine a better group of people to be working for and working with in order to bring this radio show and some sense to our union, the UAW, in the future. You are a great, great bunch of people. Thank you for being a part of all of this. Thank you very much. So having said that, uh, Jeff, you want to start off? With your well, um, we'd like to thank you too, uh, Leroy, for all the hard work you do in putting the radio show together every every week. We are proud to be part of this this organization, this group of our people, um, and we will continue to fight as long as we can. Getting into my report. Um, thank, thank you, Jeff, for that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a humbling, yeah. a humbling opportunity. You know, when whenever you do something that benefits people, it's it's just a humbling. Experience and when you do it right, it's there's nothing better than doing it. So I want to, I want to again thank you 
uh, Jeff, and thanks for your compliment. And so, uh, go ahead, yeah, uh, I know you were going to talk about something on your plant, and then you have the second of a series on the Constitution. Yeah, um, my plant, uh, effective tomorrow, the only shift working, we have two shifts, will be the, the B shift or the night shift, which I am work, working on. Um, the day shift will be laid off for two weeks. And then on September 25th, the week of September 25th, both shifts will be laid off um, at the same time. There is some rumors going around. We still haven't haven't gotten a 2014 local agreement yet. And what I'm reading through on the Facebook groups are that we lost our uh, classics department. We made our own bumpers. We always have at Flat Rock. Uh, but it looks like there's some 30 people per shift in that department, and they will be moving into the body shop area um, where there's openings. There's been quite a few people retire lately. So there's room to absorb those people in those positions. So, um, on to my report from the UAW Constitution. If you're not sitting down, you better. Uh, if some of this stuff is probably going to knock you off your feet, make you very, very angry at our leaders, current leadership. Let's start with Article 2, the objects. Section 1, to improve working conditions, create a uniform system of shorter hours, higher wages, health care, and pensions, to maintain the interests of the workers under the jurisdiction of this international union. What I just said, I want you all to think about, because none of this is happening. Our leaders are... In violation of this section one, and they are also of other issues in the Constitution. Section two to unite one organization, regardless of race, religion, creed, color, sex, political affiliation, or nationality, age, disability, marital status, or sexual orientation. All employees are under the jurisdiction of the International Union. Section 3, to improve the safety and working conditions of employment within the workplace and in the accomplishment of these necessary reforms, we pledge ourselves to utilize the conference room and joint agreements, or if these fail to establish justice for the worker or the jurisdiction of the International Union, to advocate and support strike action. Number four, to educate our membership in the history of the labor movement and to determine and maintain intelligent and dignified membership to vote and work for the election of candidates and the passage of improved improved working legislation to the interests of all labor to enforce existing laws to work for the repeal of those who are unjust to the labor, to work for legislations on a national scale, 
having its object to the establishment of a great real society and unemployment insurance, the expansion of which those are borne by the employer and the government. Section 5. To engage in legislative, political, educational, civic, welfare, and other activities which further, further directly or indirectly the joint interests of the membership of this organization and in the improvement of general economic and social conditions in the United States of America, Canada, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, and general nations of all. Number six. 6A, working on Thomas International Union affiliation with the Canadian Labor Congress, American Federal Labor, Federation of Labor and Congress of the Institutional Organizations, the AFL-CIO, together with other international unions for solidification of the entire labor, labor movement, provided, however, that the International Executive Board may at any time authored the union's relations to such bodies the way it seemed appropriate to provide assistance, financial, and others, and otherwise to labor organizations in the United States, Canada, and other parts of the world, having proposed objectives similar to related skills sought by this organization. This is long. International Executive Board also is authorized to make whatever action is required to enable the UAW to mobilize, assist, and work with other organizations alone or in combination toward the objective meeting of the urgent problems which confront society and the labor movement in this 21st century period of rapid acceleration, technology, and social change. Um, Number C, the international union shall seek to affiliate groups of employers, whether by agreement or merger, to do so and better accomplish this objective. The international executive board is authorized to allow necessary deviations from specific provisions of this constitution, provided, however, that any such affiliations must be ratified not later than the next regular convention. That's all for that one. Now, Article 3 is very short. Article 3 is the Constitution. Jeff, I think you have Article 1. Did you do Article 1? I did Article 1 last week. Oh, I thought you did preamble last week. No, did I did. Okay, Article 1. Yep. Yeah. Article 1. This organization shall be known as the International Union United Automobile, Aerospace, and Agricultural Implement Workers of the of America. Here within referred to as the International Union, this document shall be officially known as the Constitution and Bylaws of said International Union, and it should also be the Constitution of every affiliated subordinate body. Okay, that's those are my, my reports on the Constitution. Article 1 and Article 2. Um, if you get a chance, get online to go to uaw.org. That's UAW's webpage and find the Constitution and read it. 
our leaderships in the past and currently have failed to do their jobs in supporting Article 2, improving working conditions, shorter hours, higher wages, health care, our second care, people don't get health care or pensions. They get health care, but it's not as good as the top care, and our retirees are just getting beat up their issues. Um, I can tell you a lot of retirees that I know have been complaining for for years about how much money they have to spend on their prescriptions and stuff like that. But that's my report. Everybody should be um, getting upset with our leadership, with what they are doing or not doing. And next year is the time that we make changes at the next constitutional convention in less than a year away. So I got Leroy. Okay. Thank you for that, uh, Jeff. Um, I would ask, David, do you have any comments or questions on on that for uh, Jeff? No questions or comment. Um, The uh, perceived um, uh, violations of the um, Constitution by our leadership are um, a serious strain on our membership in regards to wages, working conditions as well, um, and also they're an impediment to international solidarity across borders. That's all I have, Larry. Okay. I'll, I'll add a little something to your report, uh, Jeff. Uh We'd uh, like to point out that Section 1 says create uniform system of shorter hours, higher wages, health care, and pensions. Health care and pensions in retirement were negotiated away for anyone hiring in after 2007. That seems to be a violation, a perceived violation of this here Constitution that we're reading out here tonight. Shorter hours and higher wages. Higher wages. The wages were reduced for incoming workers hiring in after 2007. That's under Section 1. Under Section 4, it says it will work for legislation the object object of which, I'm paraphrasing, is the establishment of real social and unemployment insurance, the expense to be borne by the employer and the government. Because of, just preface my comment, in the agreement that everybody was accustomed to until recently, for the last the leadership of the last decade to 15 years, we'll say. There was supplemental unemployment benefit insurance called subpay that you would get in addition to your unemployment from the governmental agency that you would get that from. Typically, the, the um, Department of Labor, and you go to your unemployment office in your state and get some. 
get some money, and then there would be uh, increase by the, the supplemental benefit as long as you were receiving it or limited by a certain number of weeks based on your uh, time in service. Because of the advent, oh, and this was uh, meant to advantage. By, by the way, this is stuff that we sort of understand on our own. Okay? We sort of lived through it. Nobody had to tell us this. This was meant to advantage those that get actually get laid off, the younger seniority folk, those members with the least seniority and likely the, the most demands on them with young children, families, and trying to get a house, etc., place to residence, place to live. They are now, because of some creative contract language that allows for temporary workers to be used as permanent workers with no pathway to permanent status, seniority status automatically in the contract. That seems, that whole process seems to have subverted and undermined this Constitution, where we're supposed to try and establish unemployment insurance, not create language that subverts the supplemental unemployment insurance. I know in 1994 I went to the Capitol and protested um, among another 15,000 people or so, the changing of the unemployment rules here in, in the state of Michigan. This is a serious matter for leaders that really understand all of this. There's a lot of leaders that just fell off the boat yesterday, and we'll be reading some of this and figuring it out as we go along. That's a subpay aspect. And then the uh, requirement in 6A to affiliate with Canadian Labor Congress and to affiliate with the AFL-CIO and other international unions. We've been criticized working for a living for working with our brothers and sisters and sister unions of the AFL-CIO, Canada, and others. Shame on those that did that, because they're not abiding by the Constitution, who they claim is their Bible. Of course, they just fell off the boat yesterday, trying to swim. And under Section 6B, The uh, uh, idea that we accelerate technological and social change. We just went through two elections, 15 and now 17. 
ratification election and general election for most locals. And we're still voting like we did in the 40s by hand ballot. There is apparent and perceived violation of this part of the Constitution when we have yet to move forward into electronic balloting that's been tried, tested, and proven to be accurate for the million one total 700,000 retirees and arguably 412,000 active for a total of a million one. There needs to be a process that's electronic. And we'll get into that in, in future articles. But the mandate by Section 6B is perceived as not being met by the current leadership. Okay? So, having said that, I want to just take a second, because a lot of people out there, you know, I said last week, beware of shiny objects. They, they might not be what they appear to be. I had a conversation with somebody uh, without getting into names because I, I truly, truly revere this person as a, a good, caring human being with a lot of support for, for our effort here. I was having a discussion about the county in which we both once lived without going into a lot of that. There's a major road that runs right down the middle of this county, north and south. person lived on the northwest side, and because of a lot of my background, I know pretty much the whole county. I'm sort of a curious person, and I get a lot of knowledge over time. But I was uh, telling the person about the area in which uh, they used to reside and little nuances and things. And then I started telling them about uh, part of the county opposite of where that person lived, on the other side of the road that goes up the middle. And I was talking about people and how much property they had and what type of personality they had and how this road was where uh, this particular stuff was on, and uh, and that other road was tangential to it, and um, the nuances. While the person listened, the person simply responded, oh, that's on the other side of the county, dismissing the fact that he, he that person just simply didn't know it, the person, he, she. So um, I thought to myself about that for a while, and even though I taught this person in this conversation about the nuances of the other side of the county, the person had a general idea about some of the roads, but had no idea, no idea about the nuances of the property, size, properties, 
ponds that were here and there, whether there's livestock or wildlife, and what type of wildlife, those nuances, the, the people that owned the property resided or were not there all the time, what their personality types were and what they did for a living, mentioned a lot of that. And even though told, the person still responded, that's on the other side of the county. That acronym, analogy, if you will, can be used in the training of people with little to no experience about the other side of the county. So when we reference the other side of the county, somebody may have been told about, can't possibly fathom the nuances and retain them in the broadness of database that's required in running an organization with such awesome power, with invested in its leadership. They can't possibly, possibly imagine all of that without having done it most of their life. to understand it fully. Somebody might teach him for a minute. Whether or not that person's going to be around a long time remains to be seen. You know, life is finite. We lost at least one good person over the summer that we wish we hadn't lost. We're not looking forward to anybody else either, but just keep in mind the experience levels of people being taught for a brief period of time and people have done it their whole life. That's, that's all I have to say about Jeff's report and about this Article 1 and Article 2 of our Constitution and the perceived injustices that are in the contracts that need to be corrected in order to comply with especially Section 2, or Article 2 uh, of the UAW Constitution. Jeff, do you, do you want to take a look at trying to do 3, 4, and 5 real quick? They're real short, if, um, if you want to, or not. You want to just read those out? There's not a lot of commentary. Want to wait till next week? Okay. Yeah, Dave's got a report. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just move on to to that because I didn't know if we try and pull those out and then because some of these are going to get real long. Uh, We might have to break them up into two. You know, so uh, the short ones we try and get those out of the way. Maybe we'll add uh, six to next week. Three, four, five, and six. If that's all right with you, because those ought to go real quick. Okay, all right. That's what we can plan on for Series 3 of Jeff, Jeff's uh, series on the Constitution next week. All right, uh, David, do you want to uh, – you know what? I'm going to jump out and just uh, go on my own report tonight. Um, 
Uh, I'll just uh, go real real quick. Uh, uh, having no other thoughts on uh, 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 Jeff's report, so uh, I'd like to talk about Janice versus Ask Me. This is a, a, a federal case that started in the uh, state of Illinois and has worked its way through the federal judicial system. And while it had, did not uh, get picked up in the uh, June, late June period, uh, it is still being considered in this cycle to the, to the degree uh, the Supreme Court cycle end, uh, ends uh, June 30th, and they, if they haven't decided to pick it up or not, then typically it's not heard throughout this cycle. Uh, but there is some action going on with this. Uh, there was a petition on June 6th for a writ of certiorari filed with the United States Supreme Court, Court, and there was a response due on July 10. So, uh, and even, and then they didn't pick it up, but they want to listen to the uh, uh, responses to this writ of certiorari. So on July 7, I'm going to go through who has filed with the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Supreme Court with what are called amicus curiae. Okay, that's an amicus brief. That's a friendly brief, uh, meaning that they support the notion of Mark Janus, who wants not to be forced to pay union dues in a government job. And I think we talked about this briefly or at length in some other time. The American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, otherwise known as ASCME, and this Council 31 out of Illinois is the defendant in this. And they want to not have to pay dues, not be forced to pay dues at all if you work for a government entity. Now, briefs have been filed. Now, pay attention to these people that have filed these briefs because this is very important. Okay. Buckeye Institute of Policy, Public Policy Solutions was filed. Amicus Curie, the Amicus Brief, Pacific Legal Foundation. Some of these you're going to not know, and some are going to be familiar with you. You'll be they're easily recognizable. Deborah Nearman filed individual. Rebecca Friedrichs filed. The Com Competitive Enterprise Institute filed. There's one you should recognize. The Cato Institute, funded by the Koch brothers, is filed. Amicus Curie has been filed by Michigan and 18 other states. I'm going to go through those. The Stephen Marshall, the Attorney General of Alabama, filed. Curtis Hill, the Attorney General of Indiana. Mark Brenovich, Attorney General of Arizona. These are amicus briefs. They, they believe that you should not be forced to pay dues. This is being done on behalf of the states that which I'm calling out here. Derek Schmidt, Attorney General of the State of Kansas. Cynthia Kaufman, Attorney General of the State of Colorado. 
Jeffrey Landry, Attorney General, State of Louisiana. Christopher, Christopher M. Carr, Attorney General, State of Georgia. Joshua Haley, Attorney General, State of Missouri. Lawrence G. Wasden, Attorney General, State of Idaho. Douglas Patterson, Attorney General, State of Nebraska. Ken Paxton, Attorney General, State of Texas. Adam Paul Laxalt, Attorney General, State of Nevada. We had two of those. I don't know why we had two, but we do. Nevada's. John D. Reyes, Attorney General, State of Utah. Mike Hunter, Attorney General, State of Oklahoma. Patrick Morrissey, Attorney General, State of West Virginia. That's a labor state, brothers and sisters. Of course, Michigan used to be as well. Alan Wilson, Attorney General, State of South Carolina. Brad Schimmel, Attorney General, State of Wisconsin. Herbert Slattery III, Attorney General, State of Tennessee. If you live in any of those states, you have work to do. Amicus brief by the Atlantic Legal Foundation, Amicus Curie brief, Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence, Amicus brief by the Mackinac Center, Public Policy, very familiar name. And those were all done uh, by July 10. In response to those brief respondents were filed on August 10 by Lisa Mag Madigan and Michael Hoffman in opposition were filed. That's not an amicus. This isn't filed in opposition. And August 11, a, a respondent, American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees Council 31 filed in opposition. And then on August 29th, the reply of petitioner Mark Janus was filed. This is distributed to everybody on August 30, because those are, that's the last of all the filings in this in this capacity, either a friendly brief, amicus brief, or an opposition brief, and then the response by the uh, original um, uh, participant or petitioner. Um, this is going to be distributed for conference on 9:25:17. Now, that's the update for this. Okay, I want to make another point. We just went through a whole lot of stuff about our Constitution and some things that haven't been done in support, and I'm going to bring up support of our uh, sisters and brothers in the AFL-CIO and their affiliates, supposedly. Ask me, a, the uh, Federation, American Federation of State, County, Municipal Employees, is affiliated with the AFL-CIO. I'm personal friends with a lot of those leaders over there. I can tell you that the UAW's name is not on this. This UAW did not file a brief in opposition. I can tell you that there are nearly 16,000 governmental workers in the state of Michigan represented by Local Union 6000, 
that are UAW members that would be potentially affected by this. Our own members possibly affected by this, and we stood mute. Our leaders stood mute on the issue of opposing this particular issue, the forcing of uh, union dues to be paid. They didn't want to stop that. I'm happy to pay mine even in retirement. Happy to pay them. Paid them every month while I was working. So we failed in our obligations. So that's the update. We're going to look forward to the 925 conference on 2000 and this uh, September 25th, 2017 conference. We'll see what comes out of that. Uh, you know, we didn't fall off the boat yesterday. We actually know how to follow this stuff here. And this is serious. We got people saying we shouldn't affiliate or be, be a part of all of them, brothers and sisters and sister unions. And we got leadership that's not taking an active role in very important issues such as this case where we should have filed an opposition. Let me tell you something. This is a serious case. If this case is upheld by the United States Supreme Court, it will end very shortly unions in the public sector, any governmental union that's out there. Ask Me will virtually no longer exist very shortly. I encourage all of you, everyone listening, to write a letter into the Supreme Court. We'll put something together and get it on our page, distribute it. Send something in. This is serious, brothers and sisters. It doesn't get any more serious than this case. And our leadership stood mute. And those of you that live in those states that were mentioned, you got work to do. These people are unfriendly to you. They want to suppress your wages and take down your money for your family and yourself. This is personal, folks. This isn't politics. This is about people taking money out of your pocket, stealing from you. If you are in a state that was mentioned, you have work to do, including Michigan. You know, somebody reminded me the other day. You know, I, I reside in the 8th District in the state of Michigan. The last time there was a labor-friendly congressperson was when I was chair of the Democratic Party in about 51% of this area. Think about that. Somebody's not doing their job. The 
last time we had a labor-friendly congressperson was when I was chair. Oh, all right. David, I know you have a report. I'll ask Jeff. Do you have anything on that, uh, That what I just said, Jeff? We're going to oh, go along. Good job, Roy. Thank you, Jeff. Good job. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's 8 o'clock. We're going to go long. Uh, with, you know, we had two weeks, and there's a lot going on as Congress comes back and these hurricanes and everything's going on. So we're, we're going to be a little long tonight, folks. So just bear with us. Uh, Dave's got his report, and it's important. It is the head, headline of our uh, uh, posting for the show this, uh, this evening. So go ahead, David, you, unless you have anything on mind to add. Oh, you did a good job, Larry. All right, then. I appreciate it a lot. Go ahead, David. Um, Canada has demanded that the U.S. end right-to-work laws. Um, this is amidst the talks um, going on with NAFTA negotiations currently. Um, the Canadians are saying that right-to-work laws in our country um, creates an unlevel playing field um, for their workers in their country. <laughs> we agree. Um, and team working for a living, and I'm sure most all unions in the United States applaud Canada's negotiating team's stance on right-to-work laws in Michigan and all the other states that have fallen to right to work. Um, with that said, um, I'm looking at um, PR News Channel, um, September 7th, 2017 op-ed. In here, um, Jerry Diaz, made a comment um, that Canada has two problems, the low wage rates in Mexico and the right-to-work states in the United States. I'd like to submit that Brother Diaz is correct, with the exception that there is one more problem, and that is two-tier wages that our leadership have embraced and endeared we now have five tiers of workers and multitudes of temporary workers. Brother Diaz attended our Constitutional Convention, the 36th Constitutional Convention in 2014. He had some speaking points that he spoke on when he was there. He spoke on two-tier wages, international solidarity, militancy, and the three union cards that he carries in his pocket. He had reached out the Olive Branch to Dennis Williams in a statement he made at the convention. And what he had to say was that he certainly hoped that Dennis Williams would take on the two-tier issue 
and that if he did, not one part would cross the Canadian border into the United States if we had a work stoppage here. That's some real solidarity by Mr. Diaz. Um, So after that convention concluded, the first order of business uh, for Dennis Williams and Cindy Estrada, who is the vice president of GM, and she also is in charge of RIPS, supplier plants in in the United States. First order of business took place in Hammond, Indiana at Lear Corporation. When this negotiation took place, it was about uh, September 22nd. I believe it was on September 21st. Lear had the famous one-day strike that we're all accustomed to here in the United States, Um, the one-day strike that strikes fear into workers and makes them more compliant when it's time to enter the voting booth. What came out of the agreement in Hammond didn't end to tear wages for them. The new four-year agreement promised wage parity for about 450 of the 760 workers at Lear's Hammond, Indiana plant. And it was said that it was overwhelmingly passed. Um, They had taken 310 sub-assembly workers with maximum wages at contracts end would be $15.25 per hour versus a maximum of $21.58 per hour for seat assembly workers. These seats are manufactured and shipped to um, Chicago Ford, Local 551. Um, This was a dismal loss. It was said that to tear wages create um, conflict on the plant floors among tier one wage workers. Our leadership's position on that, along with um, Lear Corporation, was to simply take 310 sub-assembly workers and move them down the road four or five miles where they can't see the tier one workers. That ends the conflict of interest, I guess, in the eyes of our leadership. But no, we didn't end two tier wages. And then we went on to 2015 to create five tiers and multitudes of temporary workers. One of the other things that Brother Diaz had to say at the 36th convention when he asked Dennis Williams to take on the issue 
was that he had been under a tremendous amount of pressure up there. I would submit you still are. And these two tear wages are just as much an impediment to your workers as right to work laws are. Going back to 2010, um, Bob King, um, president of the United Auto Workers Union, um, 2011, I believe it was May 3rd, was a busy day for me. I had to attend um, a rally in Lansing at our state capitol. Teachers unions um, were holding the rally. Bob King was in attendance that day. Um, He had given what we call the social justice for all speech that day. Um, When Snyder was elected in 2010, November, um, and went to power January 1st, 2011, he said that he would have to work in dog years to reinvent Michigan. At the time, we didn't all know what dog years meant and how fast the attacks on workers would be. First order of business was to attack the teachers. Second order of business was to tax retirees' pensions. That's what Bob King was there for that day to talk about the attacks on workers. He also promised a challenge to the um, tax on retirees' pensions. It wasn't long after his speech, Local 6000 held um, negotiations for their workers. Snyder was looking for, I believe, $1.6 million. My memory serves me right. And concessions from these workers. They ended up with a pretty good contract. Nothing more was ever said about the retirees and the pension tax, nor would we ever see um, any redress, as Bob King promised there would be. Of the uh, recall efforts for Rick Snyder, there were thousands of people there that day. Um, Myself, I was there to pick up my petitions. And I ended up joining with Ionia County and their effort. And we would see many counties in the state of Michigan that summer. The goal was to collect a million signatures. And we had fallen short. I think we collected 550,000 signatures. We needed help. We really needed help. And that help was to put boots on the ground in the inner cities. to hire professional canvassers to go door-to-door and sign up 
the residents, get their voter registration correct, explain to them the issues, and get their signatures on proposed on the um, petitions. That they would be correct and submitted. We had asked the UAW for help. Myself through my own local. I was told that no money for this could be um, could be done. All the money was going for Barack Obama's um, election. So our effort failed. Bob King turned a blind eye to our effort to recall Rick Snyder. It was one of the other things that Jerry Diaz had to say at the convention. He had blasted Snyder and Walker and the Corkers and said that they could kiss his union ass. Here in Michigan, we had a union leader who was running and hiding from Rick Snyder. He was afraid and ashamed to speak here in Michigan but he drove all the way to Wisconsin and gave a fiery speech to thousands of people who believed in what he had to say. A few hundred miles away from his real enemy here in Michigan. There was a YouTube video of that speech in Wisconsin. I'm sorry today you can't view that. That speech that was given in Wisconsin, it was taken down. The owner of that video was the United Auto Workers Union. 2012, there was another attempt to um, recall Rick Snyder. Um, the good people from Wisconsin who had witnessed Bob King's speech, came here to help us. They came to the Capitol. When they got here, the first questions they were asking is, where's Bob King? They found no Bob King, no regional directors, no local, um, no local presidents, shop chairmans, no staff reps, just a handful of people. Bob King had embraced Proposal 2, put all of his apples into Proposal 2, and he had been warned. Rick Snyder wasn't going to pursue right to work in Michigan. He made that clear. And he asked Bob King to back away from Proposal 2. Bob didn't take that advice. And in November 2012, that proposal failed by a margin of 57 to 42% and served as the launching point for Michigan attack against our labor unions. Bob doesn't deny this. From an op-ed, Detroit News Opinion column by Daniel House, 
King said twice. It is accurate to say Governor Snyder explicitly warned him that Republicans in the legislature likely would push to work right to work legislation in the lame duck session if labor ignored the GOP majority in both houses and pressed ahead and filed petitions to place proposal two on the ballot. December of that year, we would all gather at the Capitol to try to put out the fire far too late. Then, in, uh, I believe it was 2014, Wisconsin, they're heating up over there for their right to work. Region 8 director, Gary Castile, has some interesting things to say down south where he was organizing. DW Workers, um, Nissan. The Heritage Foundation. Yeah, these are some anti-worker folks. Yeah, they really are. Um, they picked up on the comment made by um, Gary Castile. And they put it into words and paper. And it went out to the folks, the good folks of Wisconsin. And this is what Gary Castile had to say. This is something I've never understood, that people think right-to-work hurts unions. To me, it helps them. You don't have to belong if you don't want to. Want to. So if I go to an organizing drive, I can tell these workers, if you don't like this arrangement, you don't have to belong. Versus if we get 50% of you, then all of you have to belong whether you like to or not. I don't even like the way that sounds because it's a voluntary system and if you don't think the system's earning its keep, then you don't have to pay. This is Gary Castile, Region 8 director at the time, and he's supporting free riding. Something to think about Um, with all of that said, should um, Jerry Diaz attend the 37th Constitutional Convention? Teamwork and Feral Living will be there. We support international solidarity, and we believe in it. It's not just words to us. Believe me, things haven't changed much since the early 80s. That brother Diaz is the reason why you hold three union cards in your pocket. 
Not that you shouldn't be proud of all three, but there's a damn good reason why you have three of them in your pocket. And those times haven't changed. We're more entrenched now than we were then. The cooperation and what they want to consider partnership. Let me leave you with the closing statement. Solidarity is not a matter of sentiment, but a fact. Cold and impassive as the granite foundations of a skyscraper. If the basic elements, identity of interest, clarity of vision, honesty of intent, and oneness of purpose, or any of these is lacking, all sentimental pleas for solidarity and all other efforts to achieve it will be barren of results. Eugene V. Debs. That concludes my report. Thank you for the report, David. That's it's an amazing quote at the end of your report. Uh, Jeff, do you want to uh, comment on David's report? No, Dave, Dave did a good job. and People really need to understand what he said. Um, we need to move forward and we need to replace some of their current leadership that's not supporting their membership. Um, that's all I have. Okay, thank you. I have a, a few comments on your report, David. Um, the the end the end quote um, is part and parcel of our first platform plank of our caucus, and we aspire to remove and replace all of the international union with our team working for a living. But our first platform plank says to return to labor ethos. I submit that. The quote that you gave is indeed the labor ethos and the spirit of it. Having said that, uh, I want to also make sure that everybody understands that uh, Gary Castillo was Region 8 when he made that, uh, director when he made that comment, and Gary Castillo is currently the treasurer of the international UAW he made a comment in support of right to work. David reported that by and large, the actions of Bob King, then president of the international UAW, caused us to have right to work in the state of Michigan. He was told back off because they weren't going to take it on. But if you poke your finger in the eye, they'll probably come after you. And they had a majority. You see, there's such a thing as legislating from a minority position, less than majority, that is. And just because your manhood says that you can go out and beat your chest doesn't mean that you're going to get your way. And that's what he did. 
not only was he told by the governor, a Republican, who wasn't going to take on the issue of right to work, and it was pretty clear, and now it comes out that he was told that, but he was also told by a personal friend of mine that the state of Michigan is 61% in favor of right to work because they had not done, nobody had done, a proper education to the masses in the state of Michigan, their voters, with regard to what right to work actually is. He was told 61% going in was against uh, the voters of Michigan were against him. Now, you might push that one or two percentage points in a campaign, but you had billionaire Koch brothers and the billionaire DeVos on the other side putting $100,000 checks on the table saying if you voted against it, they're going to use it against the Republicans. I know that, and that's against the law. I know you did it. And if need be, I can prove it. But they did. They used their money in every way possible against the legislators when it came time to go after right to work to pass that law in the legislator, legislature. Proposal 2 that Dave keeps talking about was to make a constitutional amendment saying that it was a, uh, a constitutional amendment to have a closed shop. Enshrine. For, pardon? Enshrine work yeah. um, collective right. bargaining rights to the in, the, in the Constitution. Right. So it, it uh, uh, and David probably knows that word for word. Uh, but they were going to put it into the Constitution. And they brought out every sheriff and said, don't mess with the Constitution. They did everything in their power to get that turned down. And we're 61% against you. Now, yeah, you can say you got some real rich, wealthy people that are on your, our side as well. But there was pushback from the other side. And in the end, we did push four points. Lost by, what, 57, right? 57% against us. Correct. We have to be smarter than the other people when we do this. Not only did we lose the vote, guess where we stand with our sisters' unions and our sisters and brothers who work for those unions? Those people are angry at the UAW right now. They will not work very little with the current administration whatsoever. I had somebody in leadership ask me recently in the last while, why is everybody so mad at us? And the answer is we're doing stupid stuff. We lost our solidarity with the people, members of other unions, and we lost the Democratic Party because they saw something very crystal clear that couldn't be seen by the leadership of this UAW. We have right to work in the state of Michigan because of UAW leadership. 
we have a leader in the UAW that said it's okay to have right to work. Current, current one. The treasurer of the International Union said that. So I think that, that those are my points. I just can't imagine why somebody would go in to something with 61% against them and knowing you're going to have a battle against you and think that you have the, the clout that you once had and it simply does not exist. And those people, as someone said, need to be tarred and feathered and run out of leadership. And that was a quote from a Facebook comment earlier today. Brother Diaz, we wish you well in your efforts to remove right to work from all legislation in North America through, by and through the North American Free Trade Agreement as it's negotiated. We also wish that you listen to our radio show from April 24, understand a little better about how we can negotiate, renegotiate this NAFTA. The horse has long been out of the stable to, to end NAFTA, to just stop it. All of the plants have been built. There's no reversing any of that. It is a fact that NAFTA exists. How we best deal with it is what we is before us. And I refer you to last Sunday's show that was an encore show of our April 24, 2017. So if you want to hear more about that and GATT, both of them companion laws that put us in a bad spot, uh, go listen to that show. But having said that, um, here we are at 8.30, hour and a half tonight. That's uh, about, about it. Thank you, uh, David, for your report. Thank you, Jeff, for your report. Wonderful, wonderful things you guys are doing. We really appreciate it. Uh, we are going to change our union. Those things that we talk about here on this show are things that are going to get changed. Progressives like for change. Say, Go ahead, David. Thank you. I would like to say thank you very much at the beginning of the show for um, the accolades you gave to all of us. Um, but I would like to also say that thank you very much for your leadership, the skills you have. This does a lot into us. Well, you know, thank you. You know, it's humbling to hear that from you, David, and it's uh, well received. And uh, you know, I uh, I'm not one to abuse authority, but rather use it in a positive way. And the, the office that we, the offices that we aspire to, in the collective have enormous, enormous authority and the power to get things changed in our country to make sure that we have a better standard of living for not only our members but the members of our sister unions and ordinary workers in our country. And we need to do that. We need to do it sooner rather than later. The people that are there are not doing it. 
and in in large measure until they're simply gone and new policies put in place that return us to the labor ethos that is outlined in the quote you gave earlier this evening. The rest of the country is not going to respond. The, the sister unions and those that want to belong to a union that are scared to belong for for cause, for cause, those that are scared to belong will not come to the party and and certify until there's a change in our leadership and a change in the ethos of our union. So, having said that, thank you to both uh, David and to Jeff for your compliments to me this evening, and, and uh, I'm sure that the others on our team are expressing those same wishes. I've already gotten a couple uh, on the uh, on the PM tonight. So thank you for all of those very much. The off-air folks are, are amazing people. You will meet them soon, but not until we get closer to the election. So thank you very much for everybody. Having said that, let's close the show out. Let's, let's uh, ask uh, Jeff, do you have anything else to say this evening on any matter? No, just want to remind, remind everybody here in Michigan, school has started, so watch out for the kids at the bus stops. So, have a good week. Yep. David? Everybody stay safe. Have a great week. Enjoy the warm weather here in Michigan while it lasts. See you here again next week. Okay, I would, I would add that with all the tragedies going around, this Red Cross is uh, asking for money again. Uh, you know, not everybody has enough to give, but if you do, please take a moment and uh, send them a little check, whatever you can, even if it's just a card to say thanks for everything they're doing, spend the 49 cents for a stamp. Uh, you know, I know they appreciate it, even if you can't send money. So the uh, Red Cross is out there, and they're doing... Uh, a lot of good work. And the first responders, if you know one, give them an attaboy. Uh, so thank you to all of those folks for doing that. Uh, having, that having said all of that, uh, please remember that our email address is workingforaliven at workingforaliven.com. You can follow us on Blog Talk Radio. We are syndicated, as said earlier, on Blog Talk Radio, uh, workingforaliven.com, itunes.com, stitcher.com, and playerfm.com. If you found value in this show, please tell just one more person about us. It has grown to fantastic numbers, by the way. And Labor Day was just an amazing uh, response to uh, our dot-com and our show. We really appreciate everything that you did there. Hearty shout-out to our friends around the world, uh, our friends in both Canada and Mexico that listen, uh, friends across uh, from sea to shining sea, our nation, that listen, union and non-union, we appreciate you taking your time to listen to us. You can listen to us any time in the week and tell your friends if you want to, like I said. Um, I want to say good night, stay safe, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again next weekend on Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, David and Jeff. Good night, listeners.
Good night, everybody.